0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Meteor room i am your host nick Bella. in this episode i am joined by my good friend and former broadcast partner stephen huff Steven and I talk about our time at Newport together, and also what to do when you can't land a job out of college. We have a great show for you today, so sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy the show. the show i'm joined by my good friend this week Stephen huff Stephen, welcome to the show
1: thank you man you know i, I know we talked before the show but i've been uh-huh. listening every week i'm a huge fan um and when i saw you announce on twitter that you had this idea i was uh-huh. so happy that it came from you because you're the perfect guy for the show and it's been it's been fun to listen to so I, it, it's honestly truly an honor to be here like I, this is awesome so thank you man Stephen, you're Way too
0: nice of a person. I am flattered. Um, for those of you who don't know, I guess we'll start off with this. For for those of you who don't know, me and Steven last year were broadcast partners in Newport in NECBL. Uh we're pretty good friends now from that experience. And we're here tonight to share that experience with you. But first, we have a special thing that we'd like to start the show off with. Um so I'll have you actually explain this part, Stephen. Last year, question of the day. Explain it to the folks at home yeah. who don't know what it is.
1: I think you know. I mean, there was a there was a group of like what six, seven of us interns, roughly mm-hmm. give or take, who, who'd show up to the ballpark every day, and we all became you know pretty close. Um, and you and I worked together like yeah. all, every day, all the time. And yeah. so we, we th- we're trying to think of a way to like you know spice it up and just kind of. Maybe bring some joy to some people, but also give them a reason to like, you know, something to look forward to, something small um, so that the grind isn't as, as tough as it is that summer ball mm-hmm. can be. And so we came up with just random questions of the day. Um, every single home game, um, double headers, we'd have two game, or two questions and uh, just trying to pick people's brains about so, some peculiar things. And so <laughs> I think it's only right that we kick this podcast off with one, two. Um, i actually i i think this whole segment of question of today
0: started to get everybody together because when we started right. out we didn't really know each other and You're we just kind of right.
1: like, like a bonding thing. so we started doing it, this and people loved it there was two groups it was like an operations group who mm-hmm. does a lot of the, the physical and and tougher tasks with the ballpark um and then there's a the media group who um we kind of get put on the cameras but really it's the easiest part that we could do <laughs> and so uh, while they're doing all the hard work we were doing all the light work but we weren't that close and so you're right we actually wanted to get everyone kind of together and closer and that was this was what happened
0: yeah, it was like a middle school dance to put into <laughs> terms so everybody was. understands <laughs> <laughs> but uh so Stephen and i uh put our two brains together for this one It's a, it's a two-part question these were the, always the toughest questions and so the first part of this question is ranking the skittles mm-hmm. from best to worst. So Steven, what is your ranking? And then I'll best give mine.
1: Best to worst. Uh well, I think the lemon one, the yellow one is by far. Di- <laughs> Look at that! That's this, such is a hot take. this is <laughs> such what a would no This is someone would have a hot take, and it would it would be talked about for the rest of the day. The lemon one is by f- night and day. It is so far above the rest. I don't even want to eat the rest sometimes. But that one is is number one. There's no doubt about it. Number two, I would have said the green one when it was lime, but they switched it to green apple green a couple apple. years ago. Yeah. And now it has plummeted to the absolute worst on the list. So that oh. is a little spoiler for what's to come. It dropped from two to the bottom. And now rising up is orange. Uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a citrus fan. I'm, I'm a big <laughs> citrus guy. Orange is two. After that, probably go the red one. I never remember if it's strawberry or cherry. And, it's a you know, strawberry,
0: I think. Is, yeah.
1: I've only had one strawberry in my life and mm-hmm. I think one cherry. So I don't really know the difference. But red is third, purple is fourth, and coming in last is what we talked about: grain apple. I mean, that switch was was horrible. And now I I feed those to my dogs. Wow. Yeah. There are they're, some they're, hot. Takes my dogs in that don't rankings. even eat them. That's how bad they are. Wow. Um,
0: we'd have to interview your dogs about that one because I don't believe you. <laughs> first of all, um, second of all, that was just like one of the worst rankings I have ever heard in my life. So my <laughs> rankings. <laughs> My ranking list starts with um, strawberry, the red one at number one. Yeah. Um, number two here, I'm gonna have to go with the green apple. That was such a good switch. Wow. It was such it's a, good, a switch. good switch. Did you like the lime before? It was alright. But like when you have lemon and lime in the same
1: package, like they're you diversify to your palette. But Nor diversify your palette. To... Oh my. No. You have uh, enough versi- you have enough variety. <laughs> Those are paired together for a reason. And then not switching really. it and not really promoting it and telling people you're switching it, it's it's really you know, jolting almost. Think about it this way though:
0: how are you gonna have a fruit flavored candy when you're not even featuring one of the best fruits, one of the you know one of the first Green fruits that apple? comes to mind? No, just it's apple in old. general. But there's no oh. apple in general. That's what I'm saying. It's like apples are apple good. Is Green a apples are horrible. Oh, man. Oh, oh, I mean, that's kind of still a hot take. Green apple flavored candy is very good. Green apples themselves, not my cup of tea. But
1: A couple years from now or something, I can circle back. I can join the podcast again. And our question of the day will be ranking our favorite apples because green apple, once again, is at the bottom of the list. I
0: honestly don't even know all the apples out there in the world, so I couldn't, I couldn't rank them. All I know is Neither green and Granny Smith. Uh, I just green is at the
1: bottom. Yeah,
0: I mean it's sour. It, it's tough to like. It's a it's a tough to like apple. I'll give it. I'll give that no, to you. Thank you.
1: I'll take it. So so you have green apple skittle number two. What's yeah, what's in there?
0: Um, uh, the grape one, purple. Can't go wrong oh, with it. Yeah. Can't I not go this, wrong with it. How this
1: is gonna end?
0: Oh, you know how this is gonna yeah. end? And I'm like, cause your your ranking is so bad. Um, so fourth. Uh, got to go with orange. Yeah. And then dead last. Fourth. You're number one, my dead last, the yellow lemon Skittle.
1: I would expect nothing less of you. I would expect nothing less, Nick Bell. I mean, this is just, (laughs) wow. This is when we'd pull Zach Letson in, and Zach would be a little bit on my side this time around. (laughs) You'd probably, like, slip him a few bucks, Zach, (laughs) if you're listening. (laughs) And you would never know. All the times he was on my side (laughs) is because I was paying him.
0: Or you'd offer to give him your meal card or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely enticing him in some way.
1: Whatever it takes. <laughs>
0: it's not good to entice y- the youth, there, Stephen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> so the second part of our question for the folks who are still listening at home, <laughs> I've probably lost some listeners in the last five minutes about this discussion. <laughs> They're probably like, That's "What probably does true. this have to do with anything?" <laughs> um. So the second part of this best package of Skittles, Stephen. Yeah. What's your answer? I,
1: I think. The tropical run ones, you know, have, have a place in the running. But I think, uh, honestly, I'm just the guy that's fine with the original. You know, that's what I was uh, born and bred on. And I, don't forget your roots. I'm all about it. The lemon one is just so good that I have to come back to the original every time. So I'd have original as my favorite, but tropical, uh, at least kind of, you you have to throw the name out there as a thought, at least.
0: I love how you bring the lemon again. Like <laughs> it doesn't so need, it doesn't need that much praise. It's not good. It's oh, not anyway, good at it, all
1: for hating the green, uh, green apple. Uh, I do actually kind of like the sour ones, but I can't eat those by the handfuls over and over. Yeah. Like I can the other ones. I'm with you. It burns out
0: my tongue. What is that even called? And you, you can't I taste, I don't know what it's called. I'm not a doctor After obviously, a
1: while,
0: yeah. but is not a, a doctor either.
1: Sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a doctor podcast. You probably came to the wrong place. if You're expecting that kind of talk. Um, but my favorite is the very berry ones. mm Oh. Oh. The
1: worst ones. How?
0: Oh, oh my God.
1: God. I'm not a berry They're guy. so good. Are you not? I'm not. not, a, I'm not uh, I don't really – I don't think there's really any berries out there that I really like, honestly. So the berry Skittles, I won't touch.
0: I – I'm flabbergasted. This is off to right a great now. start. Wow. Yeah, it's this good is to off to – you again, man. Yeah. This is be – this is like watching a train wreck right now. <laughs> we're gonna paint painting each other in the, last, in the next ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I could never hit you, Stephen. But um, so <laughs> we're gonna segue from that and start off talking about you. Um, you know, obviously we met last summer, and I kind of know your story from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But for the folks at home, how did your story start in sports media and broadcasting? um kind of take it from the beginning and let us know what happened
1: i think like uh, the rest of any broadcaster you kind of find out from a young age that you're not going to go pro in sports um it was pretty (laughs) evident the way i I swung a bat and so um i I decided you know what as as i got older you know i still want to be involved in sports um i like hearing myself talk sometimes even though i know it, it may pain others so i thought well i might as well put that uh into action and uh uh, start actually calling games. I, that was something I wanted to do. I didn't do it in high school. We didn't have that at my high school, um, but it was something I, I always wanted to do. And so I got to college, um, went to the university in Nebraska and um, just started calling games there. You know, the reason I, I, I really wanted to go there, because um, it was kind of between there, Kansas, and I looked at some other schools as well. But um, I really liked how Nebraska kind of got you going. Uh, right away, you know, I was calling games as a freshman, my first game, I was already doing play by play. And um, it was a unique experience. And so um, then it just kind of took off. And, you know, once I, I started calling games, I knew that's something I want to be involved in. And so I just kind of kind of went from there. Baseball was my favorite sport. And so just kind of always found myself calling baseball games the most and enjoying it the most and um, had a stint with the team in Boulder, Colorado for a summer. And then uh, last summer I was in Newport with you guys. So, And you said that
0: the University of Nebraska really got you started with experience and stuff. How mm-hmm. valuable was that? And do you think you'd be where you are today if they didn't, oh. you know, kind of kickstart that for you guys?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure everyone has, has a similar experience about, you know, what, the, what they think their college brought to them. But, you know, I, I really think, you know, there's no chance I would um, be as comfortable on the headset or know the things I do. Um, without that because they got you involved right away and we had exposure to radio but also working with the big 10 network and calling games on btn plus and um just knowing that you know maybe if this game's good enough then you're actually going to be on the real big 10 network and um that's that's pretty cool and so to get the experience on radio uh and on camera um on air like that was was such a young age i mean that was uh, incredible and then after that you know i had a couple radio shows at the college, which is very common, obviously at most colleges. But just to get that amount of exposure was was awesome, and uh, they just kind of guided you along the way on on how it should be done. So uh, very very thankful and grateful for for all my experiences there.
0: And doing games for the Big Ten Network Plus, uh, it, you know even though you're not on the real Big Ten Network, it still got me nerve wracking. So how nerve wracking yeah. was that to do those as a college student? Um, you know, what were some of the lessons you learned
1: doing those games uh, first lesson i learned was to cut my hair um my first game i had this huge curly afro that had no business being on camera and I'd be screwed. Uh, <laughs> uh, you rock it i i did not and so um but i i learned that really you just kind of need to put yourself out there you may not be comfortable at first but um, you know, have to pull a quote from <laughs> Jeff Fisher, he's not a good football coach. But <laughs> there was one thing he said that I, I really think is, is accurate and really like, and it was uh, the difference between a good player and a great player is reps. And I think that can be said just about about anyone in any profession. Um, the difference between someone that's good in broadcasting and great is just the amount of reps they get under their belt. And so for me, it was just a lot of, you know, learning to just accept vulnerability be out there put myself out there and just try to get as many reps as you can because that's how that's how you grow and and get better
0: and you also worked in boulder colorado for a summer which is um actually i was gonna say it's far from home but you were i remember you telling me that you stayed with your uh cousin or your stepbrother your stepbrother uh for that summer so what was that summer like being you know far away from home um right you know with family still and in a league that doesn't really have a lot of notoriety in it Mm -mm. with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I was looking to do summer ball. It was, I know a lot of people, um, at least from, from Nebraska and stuff do a a lot of times you see summer ball happen after their junior year. And that's kind of when you, when you get a lot of it Um, in the NECBL, they were starting a lot younger, which is good. You want to, I want to see that trend in summer baseball, but um, I wanted to call games. Exclusively play by play my junior and senior years. I didn't, uh, want to be color. And a lot of times at Nebraska, the way they work you into broadcasting is you're working color if you're an underclassman alongside an upperclassman who who's done more and he does play by play. Now, I did some play by play my freshman, more of it my my sophomore year, but I want to do exclusively play by play. So I want to do summer ball. Um, and looked into Northwoods, looked into the Coastal Plains Leagues, talked with some teams. I even talked with the Savannah Bananas um, right at their birth. And um, I, I didn't take it. Maybe I should have. But I, I went to Boulder um, because they've never at the time they never did broadcasting. And I would also be able to do sales there. And I thought I know a lot of broadcasters also do sales for whatever organization they work with. And so I thought I could be um, someone not a trailblazer, a pioneer, but at least for that team in that league, I could start something um, positive and start broadcasting. Um, and do some sales for them, at least get my feet wet in that um, instead of just going and being the next Joe Smith who goes to the Duluth Huskies or the Mallards or someone like that. I, I just kind of wanted to see what it's like doing something um, by myself that hasn't been done. And um, I learned a lot from it because it's, it's very much a grassroots project and you, you learn a lot from yourself. And it wasn't just me either. Um, I actually had a buddy that came down with me and he broadcasted with me. He was the color guy. He never did broadcasting before, um, but we, we got him down there. And I probably was, was harsh on him at the time, um, which was unfair. But as much as may, I hope he enjoyed it and got out of it, he did just as much for me. Because though it was being on my own for the first time and it was scary and uh, it was a grassroots project, whereas hard work and work, I don't, didn't know what to do. Um, having a buddy there and having my stepbrother there um, added some familiarity and, and comfortability with it all. And,
0: you know, you said you you did sales and broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, how important do you think it is to kind of diversify your skill set at a young age, uh, especially with yeah. the opportunities that you kind of make for yourself, you know, with you working in that league?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of this industry and a lot of industries are are catering to being so specialized in one thing or the other and that can be successful and it has but i i value wearing multiple hats um doing multiple jobs um broadcasting writing sales marketing um social media you know doing as much as you can because um you get better at those things and that's valuable because then you can go to a future employer and tell them all the things you did here and you're more versatile and then also it creates a sense of um empathy almost if if you're doing a position and someone else is doing that position that you've done before and you know what they're going through and you know the struggles of it and maybe you can help them or at least uh um know how tough or challenging it can be at times so for me versatility wearing multiple hats is is massive and i think if you could do that at a young age it's gonna really help you moving forward
0: and so we're going to move on now to, um, so you graduate from Nebraska um, yeah. and then you take the job at Newport, which is something that a lot of people don't do because no, the jobs <laughs> at, at Newport uh, in at least at the NACBL, the Cape Cod League, aren't paid. Um, so right. what brought you to that decision? And why did, I mean, I guess, why did you take that job out of college? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was, I thought I could, put my put my name out there for, for some minor league jobs, kind of put my name, all my eggs in that basket, um, talked with one or two teams um, about, you know, finishing my classes early and making it out there. Um, and it just didn't work out timeline wise. And um, there was other very talented candidates that deserved it as much or more than I did. So then I was kind of left with every senior's, you know, nightmare of, you know, what are you going to do next and what's going on? And you just don't know. And um, so I said, OK, well, I, I want to do baseball. Um, obviously, I just tried to get into minors and it didn't work out. Um, so what's out there? And I think this was April, and <laughs> maybe maybe March, March or April. And uh, if you didn't know, most summer league jobs are filled in October, November, December. And so I applied I not even applied. Even if it wasn't listed on their website, I sent out emails to the GMs and the owners of these teams, just about every team in the Northwoods League, every team in the Coastal Plains League, because I talked to them previously. Um, And then I had a buddy a couple years older than me who worked in the NECBL with the Keene Swamp Bats. So they were kind of on my radar, looked into it more, um, emailed several teams in the NECBL, hoping Newport would be the one because they're kind of uh, the top ones, the most successful ones so far in the league. Mm -hmm and um i was hoping for them but you know i played for everyone uh heard back from dan birdie pretty quickly that they were higher and everyone was locked up and then all of a sudden mike Falcon cohen calls me uh an hour after uh applying saying hey they listen to my stuff they're interested and then kind of told me more about it so i in that sense i was very very fortunate that that job was opened up because it shouldn't have been and in most cases it's not but um i got kind of lucky in that sense, and and very grateful for everything that came after that
0: (laughs) and we talked those before the show came on um with this whole idea that you know you have to have uh kind of a plan in place when you graduate college like society kind of expects that from you and you know when i met you you seemed to be very happy with you know taking a job that wasn't paid and being you know far away from home for the
1: summer but did you feel any pressure at all because i mean from what i saw you didn't seem like you felt any pressure but did you yeah, I mean, the pressure to find that job and just have something lined up because you're getting that question uh, with your friends. Every single time you see your family, you know, you're going to a gathering and they're saying, oh, yeah, that's great. Like, we're so happy you're graduating. What what are you going to do? And it's like, hmm. I, I'm i focused on graduating. Uh, I'm focused <laughs> on getting a job, but nothing's there. You know, you're <laughs> applying for jobs that you're maybe qualified for, overqualified for for some, and you're just not getting calls. And that's very discouraging. Um, I know, you know, just talking with several people, it, takes a toll on your mental health and Hmm. it's it's frustrating it's hard and so um you mentioned it didn't seem like I was disappointed at that job I wasn't even though it wasn't paid and it was across the country and I didn't know anyone there and that was scary um at the end of the day I was getting to do something unique to what other people are doing I was calling baseball games um for months you can't complain about that and I was seeing a part of the country that I've never seen before and so um, and, and and I also thought it was a chance to find out a little bit about myself. You know, you, you get to go on your own and you just kind of throw yourself into the fire and you kind of forced to grow. And so, um, though there was, you'd look at it as some negatives, surely, easily. Um, I think, you know, it helped me looking at how is this going to be good for me? And and that that really helped me get through it all, honestly.
0: And. You know, going to last summer too, I was kind of in the same position because I was coming, I didn't have an internship up until I'd say May was when I emailed Tom about coming yeah. back to Newport because I just kind of lost track of time. Right. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. So I said, all right, well, I can just contact Tom and go back to Newport. And he was very gracious, him and Mike and Shannon were very gracious enough to have me back again for a summer. But um, I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but I was, I wouldn't say disappointed to be there, but I was just like, I'm doing the same
1: thing I did the last summer. So right. I'm i am not going in a forward direction. And I didn't know, you never told me that. You never, yeah. I never got the inclination that you felt that way. But mm. um, I just kind of guessed that maybe that's the chance that you're feeling that yeah. way. Cause yeah. um, I've been there. I feel that. And there's a lot of pressure mm. um, to do something, act like you're moving forward. And so that's kind of why, you know, when you were there, I was like, you're not going to be here just to do the same thing. Like let's get you lots of air time. Let's get you camera time. Like, because I don't want you just doing between inning recaps, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, this, like they didn't really do three man booths. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. It was the home broadcaster, the away broadcaster, and then the sideline reporter, which was technically your role would just come in between innings and uh, every couple of innings and just live score updates, something like that. But Mm -hmm. um I wanted to really push the envelope and do a three-man booth because it would be better for all of us, truthfully. And so yeah. I was, uh, that, was, that was fun to do and, and hopefully rewarding for, for you and everyone else too. No, it absolutely it was.
0: And I wasn't expecting you to do that coming into the summer. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do the same thing as last year. Maybe I'll do some do a couple of things different, but I didn't expect mm-hmm. to be doing you know, a lot of games with you, being able to you know, kind of serve as a, in the three-man booth. It's something mm-hmm. I never thought was possible, um, and it took you know kind of us uh, pushing back a little bit. I would, yeah. I don't want to yeah. I mean, but it was a little bit of 100%. pushback because because they hadn't done it before,
1: and Tom Lee was kind of a producer. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't blame them for not wanting it to happen because mm-hmm. when you see three man boost done at the top level, a lot of mm-hmm. times it's awkward and it's it, you don't know when to jump in and it takes away from the product. And so to do it even at a lower level. Um, it should go wrong. Most of the times it yeah. does, but, um, and maybe, you know, the first couple of games was a little bit awkward. us all trying to step on, didn't know if we're stepping on each other's mm. toes, but uh, it was cool. Cause like we found that chemistry and I thought, you know, we really made it work out really well. And that was really rewarding.
0: Yeah. No, I think we did a three man booth better than I think ESPN did last summer. Yeah. To be I mean, completely honest. awkward honestly. sometimes
1: when A-Rod doesn't know when to talk and maybe he says something silly and it's just seems out of place, but uh, and they're also paid off because, you know, maybe the other team didn't have a broadcaster. I know Keene, they do their own radio broadcast, yeah. And so then you and I get a call game. And we already have that built-in chemistry because we've been working together uh, all the time. So uh, mm-hmm. all facets of it, I thought, you know, it, it was really fulfilling and rewarding for all of us.
0: Yeah, um, that Keen game where I it was just me and you, that was probably one of the most nervous I've ever been on that job, honestly. Because- yeah. I I, that was the that. first time it was just me and you, and I right. had to do you know the whole lineup, and I'm pretty sure I butchered it, but I just kept it going. How I do like, hey, that every hey, day. Hey, <laughs> I know, I know, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, to be kind of just pushing that position and not expect that at the beginning of the summer to be pushed into that, you know, just all of a sudden it was such a big step for me, and I'm so glad that you know you mm-hmm. were willing to share that spotlight because I think yeah. a lot of people in that position wouldn't be able to wouldn't want to um, kind of step up and say, hey, maybe give this guy a chance. Yeah, And that's well, something I, mean, I will always thank you for because well, it, it helped me so much.
1: I'll say I knew right away it shouldn't be about me because if it mm-hmm. was, the product would suffer. <laughs> and so to <laughs> really succeed, I mean, truthfully, that's why, you know, I had my buddy Gavin come down to Boulder because it, otherwise it was a one man booth and I'm uncomfortable. I'm in a place I don't know. And I'm just trying to tread some water. And so he helped me there, you know, at Nebraska, my first game, I show up for a soccer game. As a freshman, you're supposed to do color. Um, mm-hmm. We're at a soccer game, the play-by-play guy shows up and he says, he doesn't know soccer. And so I'm doing play-by-play. And so you, I was just kind of thrown into it and I know how you know, scary it can be, but also, you know, pretty valuable at the same time. So it, it shouldn't have been about me and I'm happy it wasn't because I think we were all better for it. And it was, it turned into a great summer. No, we
0: were. And, you know, at the beginning, when you were kind of talking about getting me reps and stuff, I was just like, Mm -hmm. okay, whatever. And I just kind of went with the flow on it. But, you know, the first game I did with you, when you didn't shut my mic off, when you were supposed to shut my (laughs) mic off,
1: and you just kept it on, I was just like... That may have been by mistake, though. (laughs) It (laughs) could have been by mistake. Tom told me a lot of stuff to do production-wise that I just... Was I did not fulfill what I should have done. I, I did an okay job production-wise, but, like, yeah. I'm sure there could have been points where someone did a better job. No, but, I mean,
0: maybe it was a production mistake. I don't know. But, like, when you didn't shut my mic off, I was just like, well, just kind of take this as an opportunity to talk. And mm-hmm. if they tell you to shut up, then shut up. But just kind of take the opportunity that you have. And, you know, from there, it seemed like we gained trust in in each other and it just got better and better and better until the end of the season when we were just, you know, having so much fun with it, especially with all the other guys.
1: And it was cool to see, you know, you progress throughout the season Mm -hmm. and get so much more comfortable on air and just really knowledgeable where I could, like, we built that trust where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I can turn to him and just know he's going to be knowledgeable. And it was the same with Zach. You know, a mm-hmm. young kid coming into yeah. that position and uh, he called some of those games too. And I just let him go at it, you know, and mm-hmm. even in that, like, I know we had to say goodbye to him prematurely and he had to go home. But yeah. in that last game, I let him call innings of play-by-play just mm-hmm. instead of me. And, and it just because I know you guys could do it. And that was, that was cool to see you guys just soar throughout the summer. That was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah, especially Zach too, because he was, a, he was going to his freshman year of college and yeah. had I mean, he didn't, didn't he really have what yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was just here with two like old dudes
1: and <laughs> he was calling speaking. games yeah. like you would never believe he was in high, just out of high school yeah. and it was that was that was he's way better a lot of those broadcasters in that league were mm. way better than I was at that age so i have mm. a lot of respect for them yeah. Zach being one of them
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, Zach has a voice for it, too, already. Oh, my god! And it's so unfortunate that he doesn't get to work in Newport again this summer because I think he yeah. would have killed it this
1: summer if he oh, was he would have. There. He would have destroyed it, yeah. And, it, you know, that's why I'm happy he's going to Syracuse because mm-hmm. he's going to get exposure there and reps, and you know, he's only going to get better. I mean, he's he's the type of guy – you wish could read you bedtime stories at night because his voice <laughs> is just so perfect. So, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see what he did last summer and just it's even more exciting knowing it's just going to get better from there.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, I, when I found out he was back in Newport this summer. I was so proud of him and I couldn't yeah. wait to hear him again. Um, but right. it's just, it's so cool that, that, you know, the three of us, like we all got along because, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard like horror stories of people who did not get along with the people they worked with in these mm-hmm. summer ball settings and you're there, you know, for us, it was three days a week. We were there together, sometimes four or five. And you spend so much time with these people. I mean, oh, you spend all day it. with them when you're, yeah. when you're there. And it's, it, I can't believe people don't get along with those people because it, you're spending your summer with these people.
1: Right. Like, yeah. And, you, know, you gotta I get the same, along. I had the same fear because I was going to, you know, the new England region of the U S and I Mm -hmm. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I've never, I've been out to New York city once. And then I came right back. I've never really, truly been out there. I don't know anyone out there. I don't know what to expect. Um, I didn't know the humidity was that I I knew nothing (laughs) about this place truly. And it was just kind of like, you know, first day of school all over again. I was worried about, um, you know, not only being accepted, but like getting along with people and and becoming friendly. Um, So it, like you said, you know, it's just awesome that we all got along like that. Because mm-hmm. you guys, I I feel like your family. Like that's how close we yeah. all got, you know. And it's not just the media you know, interns; it was it was everyone. So that was mm-hmm. that was awesome, man. Very, I'm very very fortunate to to have that experience. Yeah,
0: and I think you know. I think we were all kind of nervous and awkward. Didn't think it was going to work out at first either because remember the <laughs> you first remember the intern first meeting? meeting? Yeah. yeah, we're all just sitting at, around a table and everybody's just kind of staring at each other. I think yeah. me and you were like cracking jokes on the side because we kind of yeah. knew each other at that point.
1: But like everybody was like, who the hell are these two kids? Right. What are they what are they about? <laughs> yeah, well, we were kind of in a different spot because yeah. I showed up later than everyone else. Mm-hmm towards the end of may except for zach zach came in june that's true um and then but you and i had to like go to the stadium um to to like get all the cameras and the wires set up and it's a seven that was our bonding day though yeah it was and those wires go all across the field and it was hot and you and i were just (laughs) out there together just doing all of it and so that was that was awesome and that's what i needed because then you and i Bonded, and then that yeah. first meeting <laughs> was awkward wasn't as bad because i at least had a face that like i i knew
0: uh yeah no like i'm so glad that we had that one day together where we're just sitting in the <laughs> stand just you know hot sun i got sunburned that day i'm pretty sure i don't ever get sunburnt. and burn, we're just...
1: and it doesn't turn into a tan so that's yeah. like the worst type of burn <laughs> yeah.
0: but like we're sitting out in the hot sun in this old stadium just running wires and we were just shooting the shit with each other just talking yeah. about life and we like that's how we got to know each other
1: but mm-hmm. well, yeah, like, like, it was great yeah
0: and like the second the next time i met you i felt like i knew you and like
1: we were best friends mm-hmm. so we we're just like and we felt comfortable with each other this is how each silly other. it is too i mean like downtown obviously you have to do this but yeah. like i do not like parallel parking i yeah i, I don't like street parking I'm not a fan like I don't I don't do it I and so to, then I you would pick me up we'd meet at the yeah. meet at the office you'd pick me up and we'd go wherever we had to go and you'd drive yeah. and you and I bonded and then you would parallel park and yeah. all of my fears were gone and that's how I knew it was going to be an okay summer
0: yeah because I mean I go to school in New York and that's the only option you have most of the time <laughs> so I I'm a kind of a massive parallel parker not to two right. my own horn or anything and yeah I, for, I actually forgot that's why I, I was driving you all over the place because i remember <laughs> i remember i just remember it just became normal <laughs> where like we'd have somewhere to go in newport and then i would just go steven what time do you want to be at the office it just became you know, a normal
1: that, thing and it was it was the best thing to happen to me truly
0: yeah i mean we bonded over music we used to listen to music in my car i like would just uh-huh. play different things each day be like hey do you like that
1: of course. Yep. Yep. That was, the, those, those were great times, man. And the one of the best times I know we're super off topic, so I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 My no. We're are,
1: fine. Dogs are barking upstairs. Hey, it's all right. But um, I remember like one day the parking got so bad at the stadium, we had to park at the office yep. and walk miles <laughs> and it was just you and me, I was wearing a suit, you were in a button up and it yep. was just, I mean, you're in the, 100 plus percent humidity of Newport. <laughs> and yep. It was something else. But at the same time, like you wouldn't trade that for anything because it was so fun.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I actually want to talk about this because that was such a funny day where yeah. it's just like, you know, 4th of July in Newport, for those of you who don't know, is hectic. Everybody's mm-hmm. there to watch the fireworks. Everybody's there to go watch a Newport Gulls game. And we unfortunately got there a little bit too late. So the parking lot closed and we had to park at our office, which is about like a two, three mile walk down the street. And we did that walk during the well we we did it halfway because remember someone picked us up. Someone picked up in the up, middle. Yep. Yeah. I think it was Alyssa. Shout we out walked to her. home though. We
1: walked all the we way. We did back. walk home in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember yeah. just
0: like me, because, like you have to it's not like a sketchy part of Newport, but like it's a part where people don't very venture too late at night. And me and right. you were kinda like walking like close to each other at that point.
1: Yeah. But we made it totally and ahead. we're still here. We live to tell <laughs> the tale. Yep. Gosh, that was I mean, that's something – it was so great about that. Not only Mm -hmm. was it great to, like, just have that moment, but, like, that is, like, the epitome of summer ball. Yeah. Like, that or, like, cold food after a game and then you have to ride a a bus for hours. Like, those two (laughs) things are, like, summer ball to a T. And, like, what the grind they talk about, that is just, like, a perfect picture of it. It was a grind. And
0: remember, even – for home games we'd have cold food because we'd be the last ones eating we'd have the
1: leftovers of, of the player meal so and, we'd and, eat that afterwards i talked about how fortunate i was to get the newport yeah. job eating meals at other places you realize <laughs> how <laughs> wonderful newport newport has catered food in every single time and it's good food like yeah like so like i wish really to good have food. it every day yeah <laughs> and so that was man we talk about a blessing that was but Yeah, I mean, it seemed it truly was a grind that summer, and it. it, But it was worth it. It was it was fun. Even though like you could look at it and say, "Oh man, that sucks," or "This is tough." Mm -hmm. It was so much fun, and like (laughs) it was it was better to go through it with everyone too. Yeah, and
0: you know, even like moments where you had downtime before games or after games, it was fun to get to know the
1: people who worked with the team as well, like the adults, the volunteers
0: who had so much experience.
1: You talked with Alex when you had him on this podcast, Mm -hmm. and you know. You guys talked about, you know, it's not – I don't miss calling uh, a double off the mm. wall by Holzwasser. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember many parts of the games, to be honest. I don't either. Uh, what I remember and miss is sitting uh, three hours, two hours after the game uh, at a picnic table in the dark, mm. and it's just us talking with, with the, rest yeah. of the rest of the staff or, or getting to know some of the fans or people that have been in Newport for years. Um, and finding mm-hmm. out they were like part owners of like NHL teams when it costs like yeah. no money to do, like you you find yeah. out these stories you're like wait what and and so those relationships are are by far the best part of it all.
0: Yeah, like the PA guy who was the stats guy for the Rangers, like back in remember that uh I, Don. That's what it was. Yeah, Don, yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, like back in like the what? 30s. He was like the yeah. <laughs> like you never
1: knew that. Yeah, I feel like just you out of nowhere, with Don. Uh, every single oh, time could. and learn. something. New and find out he's like the most valuable person in, in the United States because he he has some stories.
0: Yeah, truly a national treasure. He we should. The voice of god. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> if people have to go see a game in Newport to understand who we're talking about, because he yeah. really makes the environment there. Oh in my opinion. gosh!
1: It is the voice from the heavens every single time. It is perfect.
0: He, I think he hit the mute button or something
1: my losing connection to you i'm sorry no you just i you just didn't say the last sentence oh, <laughs> i didn't hear well, I was it saying, oh. i said it was just every time he talked it was the the heavens opened up and it, it was him yeah because, i mean it was just it, he is what you imagine is the like pa announcer for baseball games he's perfect for it
0: oh yeah it's like an
1: old-time baseball field with him in the in the pa booth it was awesome yeah, um that's what's so cool but, Babe Ruth and Satchel Paige, like, played at Cardin's Field, and then you have the voice of him, or it's just like this. It's just right. Some things in life are right, and that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Newport, too, is, like, you hear that baseball is dead from so many people around the country, but then you go and see a game at Newport, and it's like baseball is not dead. It's just in places that's hard to find.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned the past two summers. It's an electric feeling there. I mean, it, it, it's truly, truly special. Every single home game, there, it's, it's huge.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of continue our talk about Newport, you know, through, throughout the season, we got kind of bored with, I wouldn't say bored, but we ran out of ideas quickly. And mm-hmm. we had to come up with, you know, just random things to talk about constantly. Uh, but one of my favorite ideas that was not brought to us by either me or you it came to us from john Perrick, um who was it's never
1: good no
0: wow. it's not it's not but it was it was so funny to do this we had our little podcast if you will called the nest <laughs> that we'd had so much fun doing before oh, games wow. but you know even though we didn't really take it seriously uh, we still had fun with it yeah and it was something that to kind of like to kind of jog our creative juices and we got to know the players better and we got to know it each loosened, other better, I guess.
1: It loosened a lot of the players up. Um, mm-hmm. I found this probably more than, than some of you guys. Maybe you can speak to it, but you guys had a lot of the the fun interviews. You could ask the yeah. wacky questions, and they looked forward to your interviews. They did not look <laughs> forward to my interviews because I was more, I, I had to do the business of the talking. Um, I probably could have been more lighthearted, but I, I, I didn't. Um, and that's certainly something to work on. But, you know, so to have them in the nest is what we called it and to do those those interviews with with parik and you and myself you could really see them like relax and just lighten up and and enjoy it and that was so so much fun and we had like dating games between you and me about like what i mean if you don't know by now like we spent all the time with each other nick and i yeah and so we would have like Games where like, we'd have to answer questions about each other and see if we got it right. I mean, that was, it was very, very, I mean, just solid content that was really lighthearted, but fun. And like you said, got the creative juices kind of flowing. I
0: actually forgot about the whole dating game thing. That was actually (laughs) a fun, that was fun. (laughs) That was, I think that was John Perrick's idea or something. That might have been our idea. I can't remember who it was, was, but. Which is not good, um, but it was. (laughs) um but like you know getting the players to loosen up with something that we struggled with all season Mm -hmm. and you know once they started getting feeling comfortable with us it was like you know we could talk to them about anything and you were very good at this i think with talking to the guys you know off camera talking about you know what pitches they throw and getting to know them a little bit better so we can use some of that stuff on air um just kind of talk about that a little bit where'd you learn that and you know (laughs) do you like how do you implement that kind of those kind of tactics?
1: I I learned it from, from failing quite a bit, which is some of the most <laughs> valuable tools in life is is failure. You, um, everyone knows, hears that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, it's funny you say that because the problem with me, I always felt, was um, really connecting with the players and mm-hmm. really just kind of being comfortable around them, them being comfortable around me. I never um, felt like um, I succeeded in that as other broadcasters may have. Alex Fuse was fantastic in that. Mm. Um, in that department i i felt like i always struggled um i went to you know and it goes back to boulder um Mm -hmm. yeah i was with you know that team and i was friends with a couple of the players but not all of them and um so going into newport that was one of the things i wanted to get better at i wasn't perfect at it i didn't get as good at it as i probably wanted to but you learn kind of who you are most comfortable with and you can talk to but then also it doesn't really matter like they're going to want to talk if you ask them questions and show you care um and once they know that you're not gonna like screw them over on air once they like trust you a little bit then you can really start to talk to them um and so and also um it was just helpful to know what pictures they throw ahead of time yeah (laughs) just because i didn't want to look like a fool on air if i misread something so um it was it was Kind of to help me out more than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: but I mean stuff like that. It works and it helps yeah. because I think that's what made our broadcast even better. Is it's like when we had nothing to talk about, we could always rely on that information that you had and the information I had as well um, from yeah. talking to you and talking to the guys before the games, and you know just stuff like this little things like that. I think are so important for people to learn at
1: such think, a young age. I think it's the details. Out. The details of prep going into a game and a broadcast um, are very, very important. I know plenty of broadcasters, you know, that were in college with me and stuff who didn't care for prepping or didn't think they need it. And that may be true, but I'm not that way. And I think prep is very valuable um, because especially in baseball, soccer is this way too. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of time where you have to talk and come up with things to talk about and you have to be knowledgeable with it. Um, and so this, Spawned, you know, it could be baseball conversations where it spawns about their tendencies. You know, this pitcher catcher relationship, what they like to throw with two strikes, and and how he might bury, you know, a pitch in the dirt because he trusts uh, Ceruto behind the plate. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. Or um, one of the best conversations I thought we had on air was um, talking about a pitcher who who would throw a high curve ball that would drop into the middle of the zone, and then he'd throw a high fastball. And most people might think he's hanging a curveball ball, but really what he's doing is tunneling his pitches. Tunneling, yeah. and so if you're if you're watching baseball a lot and talking to those players about it, um, then you become more knowledgeable and there's stuff to talk about on air that um, is valuable to the listener too. So I, I think the details of prep – and it doesn't even have to be with baseball. It could be those lighthearted questions. I remember mm-hmm. um, we took a poll where we talked to all the coaches and we talked to all the players and asked how they felt um, about what striking out the side is. Is it in order or can you strike out two? <laughs> Walk one, give up a hit, strike out another, and you all three outs are of the inning are strikeouts, and cause, and it was about fifty-fifty, you know, I and mean, it was split in the in the clubhouse, um, and and us in the booth too, and so just that detail of prep where it could be about baseball or it could be more lighthearted, um, it pays off, and and I think for me, I believe you can tell who did their prep and who didn't, and um, great example of that is when I didn't do my prep. And I was amidst the grind of summer ball and just showed up to the park thing. And I could just put on a show and kind of, you know, get by, but um a half-ass effort. And, you know, it was like me and Tim Joyce was there for, it was an ocean state mm-hmm. waves game. And I remember talking to you afterwards. and I was like, I feel like I let, let him down. Cause I just didn't bring enough to the table that day. So that's why I think prep is so important because if you're a broadcaster, you're putting on a show every single night. Uh, you're you're relaying information and putting on a show every night. So you have to come prepared to do that.
0: And I think that you're probably one of the best ones to learn from when it came to prep, because I learned from watching you um, when it came to like doing a scorebook or doing, you know, researching players and stuff because I had never done a scorebook before, but I learned from your system, the way you do it. Um, And I kind of took what I liked from you and from other people and made it my own. But I think you were probably one of the most prepared people, other other than um, who I worked for this summer before, which was Dave Peck. You guys and were both very I could prepared. Tell, very tell prepared. Dave
1: is a guy that is very prepared and very knowledgeable, um, mm-hmm. and and it shows because he is he's excellent, right? He mm-hmm. should have been an All Star broadcaster of the year. He was there. Yeah. I uh, uh, I didn't know all the broadcasters, but knowing how good Dave is, I know he got snubbed. And uh, mm-hmm. but. but thank you that's that's a very kind compliment but you know i I just think prep is important it a lot of times separates um you can have a good game without prep don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but i don't think you can have a game day in day out and and be successful and be enjoyable to listen to uh without really doing your homework and putting in the hours uh off the field and off the air that it takes to really you know put on a respectable show
0: I want to go back to the whole tunneling um, yeah. topic that we talked about, because this is something that I picked up from you. And it's something that every time I watch baseball now I'm looking for it because it's it such, it's time. so cool. It's so cool to see it. Yeah. Because it's something that a lot of people don't know about. Um, so where did you kind of find that out? I think you said mm-hmm. it before. Did you find it out by like talking to someone or did you find it out on your own?
1: I was, you know, I mean, I, I watch a lot of baseball, Um, I watch more spring training baseball games than I do NBA games in a year. And I, so that just goes to show like, um, it's kind of disgusting, but I I like baseball. Um, And so, you know, you're watching it and you see a guy swing at a pitch that's, you know, three feet out of the zone. It's in the dirt. Like what? Like I wouldn't swing at that. What is he thinking? Um, And that's easy to do from the couch um but then you just kind of i started researching it and um now there's a guy on twitter you may follow him or seen him who pitching ninja makes a weight pitching ninja yep yeah. And just if you don't follow him or pay attention to him already i'm sure most people do but if not he should like be you a must follow because if you care about baseball and want to be involved in baseball because like now it's so accessible and mm-hmm. he makes it so clear and so cool that it happens so many times a night that it like really makes you appreciate the art of pitching Um, and so it was just watching a lot of baseball though, to answer your question and just kind of thinking, um, you know, trying to understand why the player's perspective of things, um, and the strategy to pitching. And then, um, it really exploded and took off when, when I discovered pitching Ninja too.
0: Well, it's kind of funny that you brought pitching Ninja because, um, I think you were the one who told me about him and I gave him a follow. And then like maybe a few weeks later, he started getting a lot of traction on Twitter And now he's like this huge thing on Twitter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like that all started because of your research and it got me interested in it. And, you know, I think it just really stems from you being passionate about something and you showing it to me. And I'm seeing like this passion that you that came from that you conveyed to me and being able to talk about it on air. air, It was such a cool thing. And, you know, I just I want to. Yeah, I want to encourage people to do that more because those little conversations can make or break a broadcast i think
1: that's the thing like you don't hear about it all all the time on broadcast Mm -hmm. and maybe um you just don't pick up on it because you're not told about it and um you know to hear it on a professional broadcast you still don't hear about it too much you're starting to more now maybe um but to hear it on our level of broadcast it just doesn't happen often it happens but not often and so it was it was really fun to start doing that with you guys because um, it made us seem knowledgeable, but it also made the listeners um, probably build trust in us, knowing that, you know, we care about this game and that, um, you know, it matters to us and what we're saying, you know, matters in describing the game because, um, you know, you want that trust between the listener and and you, um, but it also maybe helps them appreciate the game more and then, and then look into it and find, you know, some, some joy from, from looking at it. Mm -hmm. absolutely and
0: another thing that you did that was pretty cool and i don't see a lot of young broadcasters doing it is um saying if it's a fastball or a changeup or a curveball and it took Mm -hmm. me a while to figure out you know which one was which because i didn't have that experience that you had but once i learned that from you you and picked up on it it was something yeah it it helped i think it helped bring you know light to our broadcast
1: that was something i was sloppy with in boulder Was getting better at at Nebraska, but inconsistently, Um, and I was okay at it at the beginning of Newport, but it really was a conversation with with um, Mike Falcone, the director of baseball operations. He came and he was like, he's a former pitcher himself in college, Mm -hmm. and obviously on baseball all the time. So he's like, hey, like as a listener, like if I'm not watching, because you have to keep in mind we had seven cameras set up, you could watch it, but the free version was just streaming radio, and so Mm -hmm. most people listen. And so they don't know what pitch it is unless you tell them. And, you know, you really have to um, describe the game and make it come to life. And that was part of it. And so that's one thing I was really appreciative about Mike. Um, Just having a boss that I can trust, but someone that, like, you can have that conversation and not feel like he's saying you're bad at what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But he was more saying, hey, like, this, you're doing a great job, but this could really help and, and elevate it. And I thought, you know, hearing that and trusting him having that conversation we were able to do that and then pump out you know pretty good broadcast you know whether you're watching it or listening to it
0: I'm not sure if you felt this way but I felt last year that they had a lot of trust in us and a lot of belief that we were doing a good job and that they didn't feel you know like they they didn't hesitate to give us um tips and stuff or to say what they liked and didn't like and I think that's what made us great last summer
1: yeah, it was it was a combination of advice and mm-hmm. you know positive critique, but also like letting us go out and experience it and try different things. Like uh, I, they were never they should never never let us do the nest, and they let us do it. Um, <laughs> they didn't want us to do the three man booth, and they eventually like were cool with it and let us do it. And so to have mm-hmm. that you know freedom um, with all with everything we were doing was. I mean, that's why you do it, you know, to get that experience, and it's so valuable. And uh, I know several teams I could have been with and my friends have been to didn't have that. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. that just goes to show we were very, very fortunate, and it helped us grow in a lot of ways.
0: And to kind of put a a wrap on our um, Newport experience, or this discussion about our Newport experience, what was your biggest takeaway from last summer?
1: Oh, man. Um, That's a good, good question. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot that I could take away. Um, I learned a lot um, about myself um, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, my dream my whole life was calling games and wanting to get to the major leagues, mm-hmm. but I each kind of, it was, I was so grateful for the opportunity, but I also learned like what brings me happiness and fulfillment in life. Um, and I, and I encourage everyone to, you know, just really, get a lot of people have career goals, and that's great. But I think, you know, personal goals and, and dreams um, is where I get a lot of my happiness and the relationships I have is what brings me fulfillment. And I wouldn't have experienced that without going to Newport on my own and just kind of being out there. Um, and so that made me very grateful and kind of put me on a path that that I want to pursue now. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, the biggest thing I, I take away the relationships and just, um mm-hmm being willing to you know accept that vulnerability and put yourself out there and um just kind of learn and grow
0: i'm with you a hundred percent on that because that's exactly what i took away too um because i was a very individual person person Mm -hmm. up until that point and now i feel like i'm more of a team player because i got to work with people like you and it got me to kind of trust that um you know when you're with the right group of people a lot of good can get done then compared to when you just yourself going solo and mm-hmm. it was just fun to work with the team, like with you, Tom, and just all the interns last year. I think yeah. we had a really good summer. Um, but so after Newport, uh, kind of take us through what happened with that, with, um, with yeah. you know, your job search after Newport and what you're up to now.
1: Yeah. So um, great question. You know, it's one of those things where I talked about earlier in the podcast and maybe many people are experiencing or might experience in the future where you're a senior and the question you hear constantly is you know what's next and i didn't have a what's next i didn't know um, this internship though is temporary it was like a band-aid over the wound uh you know is something i was going to enjoy and i'm very thankful for but i knew it wasn't going to last i knew it wasn't going to solve the problem um so i actually came back to omaha i'm broke it, you know it was unpaid i had to pay for everything every day in newport i was eating peanut butter sandwiches because um, that's all i could afford i could, it didn't even get jelly and uh (laughs) lost pounds and I'm not the guy that can afford losing pounds I'm already small enough so um I came back and I was broke and I still didn't have anything lined up and that was I talked about you know how it's frustrating as a senior and it affects your mental health it was it was that way truthfully after that because um I was applying for positions I knew I was overqualified for um I'm talking like street team positions where you're working for a company or a team and you're just going door to door like uh, like incredible positions that like a high schooler is qualified for and I wasn't even getting calls and that was reality but it was it was very discouraging and hard um and so you know I I eventually was able to land on my feet it was funny because okay I I need something um I applied to work at Target my buddy worked at target he's he was still in college and so he's just working there and i was like okay well i got nothing and i need money so i'll do it and then as soon as i got hired at target i had two or three interviews with with other places that i actually wanted to work at and i landed a job with um the minor league team here in omaha um triple a team omaha storm chasers their triple a team for the royals and um just did sales with them and i got that probably almost exclusively because of that experience in Boulder when I talked about not going to another broadcasting gig that uh, that's all I would do I went to a place I didn't know and I tried my hand in sales and by the way was horrible at it um cold calls are terrifying um they're still not easy and I did sales for months um but worked for them and then at the same time got hired for a, a radio station part time to call local games, uh high school and, and a local college here. So um, you know, was it was very fortunate that eventually, you know, I landed on my feet. I knew, you know, eventually things would work out. Um, or at least had faith that they would. And then, you know, I went from no jobs to gonna work at Target to the day of my orientation having two jobs. And it's just funny how life works in that way. Um, unfortunately now, you know, with COVID and everything, um I did get temporarily laid off just because um, there's no sports, so believe it or not, there's no games to call, and people don't want to buy tickets. Wow. It just it doesn't make <laughs> put sense. Put two and two together on that one. <laughs> um, temporarily laid off, but um, you know, it, that's okay because I learned from my past where it's like it's gonna be okay, it's gonna work out, and um, to have faith in that, you know, um, is important. And you know, to, to bring another sports analogy into it, you know, like um, the reason I love golf so much is because. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't love golf. I'm horrible at golf, and it's expensive. <laughs> I have no justification for golfing and buying new clubs like I just did. But I love golf because one, it's peaceful. Two, you learn a lot about a person. You learn how they treat you when they're happy and at their highest. But golf's a frustrating game, so you learn a lot about a person when when they're very upset, and they're at their low, and you learn how they treat you. And so you know that you know golf and those experiences with that kind of gave me perspective on on how I want to attack life when you're at your lows you know you're a senior and you don't have a job or you're unemployed in your months from graduating and you're not getting calls back but um you know just keeping that positive positive mindset and, and optimism about life is for me key for for um mental health and just not not damaging my relationships with other people at the same time
0: i i think we had this conversation a lot last summer. And I'm glad you brought it up again, because um, this is kind of the way I look at the world as well. And it's something that over time I learned, you know, from failing a lot, um, especially when I was in high school and even like to start my college career, you know, it took me a while to kind of find my place. And, you know, as much as to say I've succeeded, I don't really think I'm a complete success story, but um, on my way to at least, I think that I've learned most from failing. Oh, yeah. And I think that's so important in life to kind of learn how to take the punches, roll with the punches, and to kind of just you know move on and figure out what's next, mm-hmm. or to understand that you know things happen for a reason. That's something that I like to say to myself right right now a lot because you know it's such an unfortunate situation that you know obviously you're in, I'm in, everybody's in right now. You know, just things happen for a reason, and I think once you start to understand that and implement it into your life, you become a much happier person.
1: Oh yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and it helps you get through it. Cause it will be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it doesn't seem like short term, it will, it, it works out. And then not only does it help you, but like I said, you know, it helps the people you're around, you know, you're not bringing them down you're not negatively affecting those relationships. So um, yeah, like, like you said, and we've talked about, you know, just the failure has been, it's brought a great perspective to life and helped me ironically keep positive about everything which which is good.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think we had this conversation last summer and it just I I don't know why it just popped into my head but how much did college help you um in the real world or how much yeah. did college <laughs> help you land your job? I remember we had this conversation one time last summer. It was an interesting conversation. That's why I brought college. it up again.
1: I really, you know, a lot of people either love college or hate college. I really enjoyed my college experience. Um, and I thought classes were valuable. Um, and I, But I think you learn a lot from, you know, what you make of it. Um, I went out and made sure I called games as many as I could. I went out and made sure I had radio, you know, uh, a radio show you know, multiple for years. And, um, you know, you just kind of have to put in that extra effort. And so um, they give you the opportunities. It's just kind of, what you make of it. But I think one thing for me, I learned from college, I think when people look at college and they, they see, cause a lot of times people now think maybe college isn't worth it and maybe it's not, I don't know. But I think, um, a lot of people look at, Oh, you have a degree that shows great perseverance. And, uh, you know, when t- things are tough, you work through it, even though it's not always enjoyable. And I think that's a very valuable trait to have. Um, but I, I do think college could be better at, um, for me, um, learning how to network and build connections because um, I found once I got out in the real world, you know, a lot of, especially in the sports industry, it's a lot of who you know and you're not taught that. And so that's when you're in the situation where it's like uh, you're applying for jobs you're overqualified for and you should have been hired yesterday, <laughs> but you're you're not getting a call back because you just don't know who who, people, you don't know who to reach out to or what to do. And so that part of college, I, I think maybe fell flat a little bit, but um, you know, there's, there's also a lot of pros to take from it. So I don't know that that's kind of my thought, but I know everyone, you know, feels differently.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the same, I feel the same way as you do to a certain extent. Um, It seems like (laughs) this is sound funny, but it seems like I hate college the most when I'm doing an assignment that I don't think has any impact hmm. on what my career outcome, like what I want it to yeah. be. I'm and I think, that. yeah, because, you know, you spend a lot of time doing these classes and some classes you really learn, uh, for those of you who haven't taken a college class yet, that some of them you don't really use.
1: And most of the hardest of them, ones yeah. that you spend the yeah. most time on are the ones yeah. that have nothing to do with your major. Um, but college mm-hmm. is set up in a way where you have to, fulfill all these um, requirements for like gen eds and you had to just have mm-hmm. a certain amount of hours to graduate. And so you're taking yeah. all these classes or it's like, uh, I'm going into sports broadcasting. You know, why am I taking, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like psych, I guess psychology could maybe matter or something, but like you're, yeah. you're taking classes. Entomology is one I took. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the study of bugs. It's an easy science class, but I needed to fill that, fulfill that requirement. And like, I'm sorry, but that's not going to affect me in sports broadcasting. And so, you know, you invest so much time into classes like this. And those are the ones that are harder a lot of times because you don't care as much. And so that part of college, that that was very frustrating for me.
0: Yeah, it was. It it still is for me, too, because I still am in college. Uh, I I tend to forget that, especially with uh, it being (laughs) summer right now. But um. Yeah, I've taken my fair share of classes that I'm just not going to ever use, like accounting. I took a math class. I'm never going to use a science class. Like, we, like I, I'm we, a photographer. I want to come to sports broadcasting. I want to do video stuff. Like, I, that's not me.
1: There was a math and class I, in, in Lincoln, to, to your point, where it's like uh, we're learning mean, median, and mode, like the third, fourth week yeah. of class. And it's like, yeah. I know this. And, like, yeah. why are we here? You know, if you just felt <laughs> like we were wasting some time
0: yeah i mean that 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 was my same math class is like i was learning like basic things the first few weeks so i was like oh this is gonna be easy you know kind of put off my work for a while and then like, like by the end of the semester i'm struggling <laughs> yeah. and i'm like why am i struggling in a class that's supposed to be easy and why am i taking this class in the first place right. so i'm just like mad at almost everything in the world at that point yeah. um but yeah it's it, you know it's an interesting thing to bring up and I like bringing this conversation up with you because you just graduated. And I remember us having this conversation last year because I, I don't know. I just, sometimes I feel that college is worth it. And then sometimes I feel like college isn't worth it. I I'm with you though,
1: where it's like, it's what you make out of it.
0: Yeah. Cause I've I seen so mean, many people.
1: Yeah. You have to I mean, go I've seen many... make your opportunities. And then also, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, like I said, you know, with those classes, they suck and they're frustrating. And mm-hmm. I felt that way and I didn't want to do them. Um, but it teaches you perseverance. Like I said, you know, mm-hmm. it just just, it, when things get tough, you know, how are you going to respond? And it took me a minute to, to figure that out. But by the end of it, you know, I, I felt like it was somewhat valuable. At least, at least I got something out of those classes, you know?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, where college becomes valuable now is it gives you a one up to find an internship and to get that experience right mm-hmm. out of the gate. Whereas if you don't go to college, um, you don't really get that experience, you know, that we had in Newport where you can kind of afford to take these big risks with these kind of, I wouldn't say high level, but mid, mid-level mid um, experiences that can get you to the next level. I think that's oh, yeah. where the value of it is. And it goes undervalued, I think.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because there's no way we land those internships without <laughs> any of the experience that we got no. from college. So, yeah, especially in the sports industry, I'm sure it's true in other fields, but you really need college. Um, to, to open the door for you in a lot of ways. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you considered doing um, a master's program?
1: Thought about it. You're graduating? Yeah. um, And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know if you, I I, I tune into Alex Fuse's podcast and Mm. um, pretty much if you've ever heard of anyone in the sports world, they've probably been on his podcast. And (laughs) the last time he had, uh, I mean, he had freaking Adam Schefter, like on the podcast, following him, they're texting each other. I mean, give me a break. Uh, I can't even get my mom to respond half the time. But, uh, I mean, he he, he had Adam Schefter on, and Adam talked to, you know, the most successful guy when it comes to reporting in the NFL. And he talks about how when he was out of college, he couldn't land a job anywhere, applied to hundreds and hundreds of newspapers across the nation, probably one in every state, he said, and uh, just didn't get anything. And so it got to a point where he went back to school um, to do a master's program because of that, you know, it's kind of his last ditch effort and it paid off for him. So in that sense, you know, sometimes, you know, I, you look at the price and it's scary and you truly wonder, is it going to pay off? But, um, I've thought about it because it it truly can be more, it truly can be valuable. And it's just another chance to, to educate yourself and and grow and, um, kind of get yourself out there to the world a little bit more too.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, personally you know as of right now i don't think i'm going to do a master's program but i do see some value in it if you know if you're like adam schefter and i'm glad you brought up that story because it's a it's a great story um it, you know if you if you can't find anything if you think that you know maybe doing another two years of school will help your cause in terms of getting hired um but you know personally right now i don't think i'm going to do it and you know it, it's that's that's my choice i'm not knocking it but i think it's yeah. it's it's a circumstantial thing,
1: I guess. That's the thing. You know, it is circumstantial and there's no right or wrong. You know, it, it, both mm. decisions can be absolutely right in their own ways. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, will I ever go back to school? Probably not. But, you know, who, who knows? You know, I don't know what I'm eating for dinner tomorrow. So we'll find <laughs> out. Um,
0: you have to test me what you're eating for dinner tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that you said that. You know, uh, yeah, probably. But with jelly <laughs> this time. But with jelly because yep. you. You're obviously home, so you can you can have right. the jelly. Um, <laughs> you know, in sports media um, and doing broadcasting, a lot of people kind of consider. I I'm not saying that this is how all people people think, but some people think it's a crazy thing to pursue because it's such like a a small market. how How do you deal How do you deal with people's you know thoughts about you pursuing something that you're passionate about or pursuing something that you love? 'Cause you, you get know, a lot of pushback with that. Obviously. You do.
1: I'm I'm fortunate with my friends and family. I'm sure they have doubts. <laughs> and yeah, you know, if anyone has doubts, it's me, you know. So I, I I get where they're coming from, but they've actually been very supportive of me. Um so I'm very fortunate and blessed um when it comes to that. Um, you know, you mentioned it's a tough industry. You know, I, I've heard an interview with Will Farrell and he wanted to be he actually wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, a saying out there um you you have a better chances of winning the lottery than becoming a famous comedian and then he said you have a better chance of becoming a comedian than a sports broadcaster and uh it's very true it's a very very hard road to to go down um and so i'm i'm fortunate to have people that support me and you know whatever i choose but at the same time i think it's very important to have people and i have some of them where they tell you what's good and what, what's not, you know, what's, because if you're going to get there, you can't just have a bunch of people saying yes, yes, yes. Um, you need to get better at your craft. And that means taking some um, people critiquing your your tapes and, and telling you, oh, man, you fell flat here or, you know, what what are you, you know, why, why aren't you talking about this here or something you know, that pick up different things from the game and they can help you. Um, and so just that, that collaboration of, of having people that support you, but also people that can tell you things how they are, has been very very helpful for me. Um, I don't know though, man. I mean, truthfully, it's I don't want to discourage anyone from going down this path, but it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard, and um, yeah, it's you're not doing it for the money at the beginning. That that's for sure. Yeah, and that's something
0: that you're kind of told. I've been told that a lot, especially mm-hmm. just in sports media in general. Is like the money's not there, but you're doing it because you love it like if you're doing this just because you think it looks cool but you don't love it like you're in the wrong place like go That's get a, like, a 9 to 5 job
1: yeah yeah if i mean if you're if you're not doing it cuz you love it you're doing it because mm-hmm. uh you know it, it's a good image to say you work in yeah. sports but uh, it's not as cool as you think when when you know it, the grind is is tough and um yeah. you know to that point i i would tell people before they're going into it you know really um find out what Brings you happiness and fulfillment in life, mm-hmm. um, and then pursue that. And you know, if that's broadcasting, great. You know, for me, um, like I said, my dream was calling major league games. Um, but not only do you have to be very talented to do so, uh, maybe I could have got there someday. Maybe not. I don't know. I like to think I would have at least lasted in the minor leagues for a little bit. But you need to know mm-hmm. the right people, and you need to get a little bit lucky. I, I talked to this Triple A broadcaster before, um, who was, you know, with that team for two decades. And he didn 't get the call up to the big leagues, and I know he 's qualified, I know he 's talented, but some of it 's just luck and For me, as much as I love the game and, and wanting to call games, um, I know my happiness and fulfillment came from those relationships we talked about and um, the people that you know I, I truly love and, and cherish at home, my friends and family and so that made me more pursue like a radio you know sports talk and, and working in the radio industry versus uh, and doing you know play-by-play for that you know the station or something on the side that seemed more um more acceptable or at least for me or or bring me more fulfillment because then I'm not on the road all the time at cities I don't care about um and I'm not sacrificing relationships that are my main source for happiness and, and fulfillment so um, it's a tough path and I don't want to discourage anyone from, it. you know, a guy like Alex Fuse, he's killing it. He's mm-hmm. going to be so successful. He already mm-hmm. is. And he's just going to be, you know, up and up. Um, for me, it's more of, you know, I, I, I don't want to, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, and I, there's things that matter more to me in my life. And so that's why, you know, maybe I'm not going the path to broadcast games, but I'm calling stuff on radio and, you know, radio shows more of that aspect. So I I would say to people, you know, going into it, just find out what really brings you fulfillment and happiness, because I think that matters at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, you just brought up a a bunch of good points. You know, luck is so, it's something that, you know, every person who has made it will tell you that they've had a lot of, because it's so hard to make it. And you have to, yeah, exactly, because, you know, you can work as hard as possible. But at the end of the day, you need a little bit of luck here and there to kind of get you to, you know, that, that that level. And, you know, I've experienced it. You've said you've experienced it. I'm sure Alex Fuse has experienced it. Oh yeah. And um, you know, yeah. It's just like you can have all the talent in the world, but you need luck. And I, I'm glad that um, you know, we got to meet Alex last year because he was is such a good, you know, oh. source of like, you know, what you want to be or, yeah. you know, how,
1: like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't really explain it. He, he's just such being, a good person. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, his energy and, and happiness is just contagious and you mm-hmm. know, it when he's you know, as soon as he gets, you know, steps foot in the stadium and you see him for the first time or something, like he just brings a smile to your face. Conversations are always positive and you know, mm-hmm. it's no wonder a guy like him is succeeding because uh, he works his butt off at what he does yeah and he's just such a giver which you Mm -hmm. know people then want to give back to him uh and he's just such a nice guy that like you want to be around him and you want to to you know just be a part of that because his positive gravitational pull is just tremendous
0: No, yeah, it's it's yeah. It, <laughs> his positive gravitational pull is stronger than the gravi- gravitational pull on Earth, I think. Oh yeah, um, because yeah, he's just it. such a nice guy, and you know, it was nice having him on the podcast. Cause he, I think he brought you know a lot to the table, and a lot of oh, advice, yeah. and and you did you have as well. Um, but lastly, here, you know, what advice? Yeah, I know you've given advice throughout this to mm-hmm. younger broadcasters or two people who want to be in this industry. What What's you know maybe your top five pieces of advice you'd want you'd give to someone who wants to break into sports broadcasting?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know one, like I said, you know just find out what truly brings you happiness and fulfillment. Um, two, um, embrace vulnerability. You know, put yourself yeah. out there. It's okay to fail. It's okay to look like an idiot. Um, some of the best hosts in in you know sports when they're doing talk shows, um, you know like Ernie mm-hmm. Johnson and um, rich eisen you know these guys uh sometimes you have to ask the stupid questions and mm-hmm. people may think oh, man like what i know i know that and he's asking that question yeah um but it gets the other people to open up and brings insight into the game or whatever you're talking about so don't be afraid to look stupid sometimes um mm-hmm. but i think um, uh,
0: katie Nolan's a
1: good example of that oh excellent oh excellent yeah. excellent because you know they know the, the game just as much as everyone else that's talking mm. but you, sometimes your job is to uh you know ask those ask those questions um so don't be afraid of that don't be afraid of, of looking dumb or or just new experiences because um, it'll help you grow um and then you know i i, I just think uh, you know just always do as much as you can you know work, work hard and um yeah, you'll you'll get something out of everything, and just treat everything as a learning experience. I I think is is the best you could do for yourself.
0: Um, so I'm gonna wrap it up with a serious conversation right there. But hold on, Stephen, we're not gonna let you off the hook Uh-oh. just that fast. Um, I'm I mean, you've listened to the show, you know what we do at the end. So yeah, we have five rapid can... fire questions. Uh, first, Stephen Huff, and I'm I hope you can answer all of these and you've been thinking of all of these
1: because you've listened yeah. to the show, I think for every, every episode. So yeah, I mean, I talked, good performance out prep. Of I talked about doing <laughs> prep. Maybe I should have, you know, been true to my warrior. Oh boy.
0: Um, so are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I hope so.
1: All right. Uh, you know, question number one, favorite book, Favorite book. You, you and I just talked, you know, recently we've been reading a lot more. We did. Um, yes. Favorite book's hard to pin down. I I really enjoy reading. Favorite author by far is Malcolm Gladwell. Um, hmm. I think everyone needs to, I think he's the best writer of our, our lifetimes. Um, so I'd probably pick something of his. I just finished a book by him called Talking to Strangers, which I hmm. think is important because it talks about um, where things in life it's two strangers interacting and things went wrong you know um one of them was gosh i forget her name and of course i would forget her name at this moment because i had it every other day but she got pulled over by police um there's an altercation um uh, just a misunderstanding and then she she's ending up dead a couple days later in in a jail cell and so it's all these interesting pivotal points where people you know meet and things don't go right And he looks into that. It's very interesting. Um, Another book by him is called Outliers, which is talks about why people, you know, succeed. And it talks about how luck has a big thing to do with it. Um, Hmm. So, you know, one of those two, probably, probably Outliers because that got me into him. So that's probably, I mean, I'm the worst podcast guest. I have good podcast guests is so concise and they know what they're talking about. I've rambled on, on everything. You asked for one, I'll say Outliers. No, I, I mean, the point of these questions is to get the most out of you. <laughs> and I think true. I've
0: done my job today. So I yeah, think, you know, you may think you're the worst podcast guest, but I think I'm making a strong run for MVP in terms of most viable podcaster
1: yeah, of, of that, the year right true. now. That's true.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, Second question here.
1: Uh, favorite movie? Oh, man. My girlfriend kills me because I'm, I'm not a movie buff and she loves movies. Uh, you know, because of quarantine, I just saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off for the first time. So, like, I there's haven't a lot... watched that full movie. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I don't feel yeah. as bad. I have. I'm so thought... afraid to say it out loud, though. Space Jam was <laughs> one of those for me, where it's just like I've said it, and I'm scared to like admit I haven't seen a lot of famous movies. But um one, I'll say one recently, and then probably my favorite of all time. One recently that has really stuck with me is a uh, Honey Boy. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, it was oh. Shia LaBeouf directed it and he acted mm-hmm. in it. And a lot of people know Shia LaBeouf, you know, from his early acting days, even Stevens and then Transformers, Indiana Jones. Um, and then he kind of fell off. And now, a lot of the times he's in the spotlight is because of things he was messing up on and and getting in trouble. Um, this was his story coming out of rehab, where he wrote this while he was in in rehab about just kind of his life and his experience and his childhood and his troubles with his his dad and Um, just a lot going on and I think it's really awesome to see because to see someone open up that much and be that vulnerable and that transparent and just honest about their lives is super special and needs to be appreciated and he's not getting tons of money anymore to do these films Mm. like this is all him so that was super cool to see he directed it and he played his dad in the film which takes tons and tons of guts and so that one Wow. For me recently, I, I really appreciate just because of what he was willing to do to do it. Um, but then also my favorite of all time, probably, I don't know if you've seen Spotlight. Have you seen that one? That's such a good movie. One of my favorite yeah. movies of all time. It's, just, it's an important movie about really great mm. journalism and them taking down, you know, uh, I mean, it was in Boston, you know, a huge major mm. city. Uh, and there's so much corruption and unethical things and immoral things going on and they had pushback and they stuck to their guns and it was just a great example of how journalism a lot of times is and it doesn't get credit for, but also how journalism should be. And that that means a lot to me. So I'd probably say spotlight.
0: No, um I'm definitely with you on spotlight because I know I have worked for my student newspaper for all four years of college and just being a student journalist, having a lot of friends who are journalists, it's such an important movie to learn Oh yeah. how good reporting gets done
1: and, and why how you should go about things
0: yeah, yeah. and like what it can do what it can do mm-hmm. to you know society you know that sparked a whole movement of change yeah. not even just massachusetts but the world
1: yeah and, and you know what anyone that anyone that's going into broadcasting you're also gonna have to learn how to write and so broadcasting yeah. and journalism are always tied anyone uh, even in advertising you know I, I just think anyone in that realm uh, of of media needs to watch that movie because it's, it's important. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's also good. Um, uh, it's a good showing how to use sources.
1: Yeah, and well, you know
0: where sources come from and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And um, you know, it's it's easy to get sloppy, and especially in this mm-hmm. time, you know, it's a race to be be first. Yeah, and um, there is some misinformation out there, and you know, the fault comes maybe on the journalism side, but also on the consumer side, and. Mm-hmm what they react to and what they feed into. But I think, you know, this is a great example of just, like you said, sources and just how journalism should, uh, should be done and, and how important it really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just want to mention quickly on the whole disinformation side of things. Um, and it goes back to reading one of my favorite books was one done by Scott Pelley, who is the one of the anchors on 60 minutes. And he did a whole um, autobiography about his time as a journalist and working for 60 minutes and one of the things he brings up in the book is how important it is to not read you know your news from one source to look at oh, yeah. what all of the sources are saying and to make
1: yeah. your you know opinion based on all of that you are that is it, it's that's huge what we hear heard because mm. we all live uh in silos of um mm. you know i know people who all they watch is Um, maybe like Fox news. And then they surround themselves with people who only watch Fox news. And so those ideas, um, they just keep bouncing off each other and that becomes their truth. And then there's other people who only get their news from social media and other people who only get it from CNN or MSNBC, but you don't explore other avenues. And and so you're not, you're not mixing together. You're stuck in your silo and that's very dangerous. Um, I don't, um, I don't want to tell anyone how to look at the world. But I think what you need to do to form an educated opinion and one that matters is educating yourself on all sides or as many as you can, because then you'll have all the information you need and you can form a judgment based on your moral compass. And I think that will benefit everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if all of us did this, I think the world would be in a much better place. It would be, you know, a much better society because we know what, you know, fact from fiction, how to decipher the truth and how to formulate our own opinions without having people just tell us things and us blindly believing them. I think that's such an important skill to have.
1: Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's pertinent right now with all the protests Mm. going on. Um, Some people think they're riots that are started by the protesters, but then you go on social media and you'll have a thread of 300 plus tweets where it's um, police starting violence. And um, I'm not saying it's one side or the other, but I'm saying Mm. You know, it depends on the avenue of where you're getting this information that that really creates your uh, forms, your opinion. And so just it's a lot to ask. I need to be better at it, too. But just yeah. go to different sources, talk to different people that from different, you know, that that get these different experiences, because um, that it will help you form you know a valuable opinion that that finds its closest way to the truth that you can.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that because uh, yesterday I was watching the news and I saw a video and they were saying something about it. And then I went on Twitter and saw something about that same exact video but different. And I got to see mm-hmm. the full video on Twitter where I got to see exactly to what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's not what they're saying. Like, no, I can and- see how people can get so blindly, you know, just blindly believe
1: things without, so then, you know, seeing everything. What, ha- what happens from that is, is you get people who only watch the news coverage. And they think mm. it's, you know, not not the cops' fault. And then you get people only on social media, and obviously it's they think it's the cops' fault and wrongdoing. Mm. Um, but then there's no negotiation and there's no yeah. uh, healthy conversations. It's just I'm right, you're wrong, and there's mm. a lot of distrust, and it's it's problematic.
0: Yeah, I think we have to do a better job of having, you know, just thoughtful conversations without judging to I'm right, you're wrong, or like my opinion matters more than your opinion does i think it's just you know if we have a conversation about these things you know we'd be able to work things out better and be able to understand you know the point of view where you're coming from
1: yeah no you're you're spot on with that
0: yeah um so <laughs> moving on to that quick little detour <laughs> down um disinformation way um any hidden talents oh man um yeah, this is a tough a question lot-
1: a lot quicker to critique myself than give myself credit for things. Um, I I like to think I'm okay at board games. Um, I I'm I'm pretty competitive, and so if you put a board game in front of me, I'm probably gonna find or attempt to find out a way to win. Um, so maybe board games. Also sleeping. Like uh, you get me horizontal, and within seconds I'm out, and that is it's a blessing because I can fall asleep like that and so it, it, i get plenty of hours of sleep and i'm good at it so i probably board games and sleeping um you're also good at wiffle ball i might add oh you're a my, one-time
0: wiffle ball that. champion yeah.
1: yeah i saw your twitter bio you,
0: so you still oh, have that in your twitter bio yeah oh it right. hurts so badly
1: <laughs> good yeah for for those who don't know um we had an intern wiffle ball game last last summer and uh me and Perrick were on the winning side and um we we don't let people forget about it it it's important and it will always be important
0: it's not (laughs) that important um especially since i was on losing side (laughs) um but no i mean you guys didn't win that game in it it wasn't fair at all
1: it was like yeah it was was so stacked you had such a stacked team it's not even fair we, uh, we had a captain and Riley had a captain, and we picked our teams. Uh, and so maybe one team was stacked, but you can call Riley up and talk to her about this. She picked her team, and it was, I mean, <laughs> wrong decisions. Blame your captain. That's what you have to do. Uh, I would refuse to.
0: <laughs> um, But, you know, I think this is going to spark a whole debate in our group oh, chat over the next yeah. few weeks. <laughs> um. All right, we just got to move on because I'm I'm just going to get salty if we keep yeah. uh, dwelling on this.
1: Um, three people you'd want to bring to dinner. Oh, this is a good question. This is one uh, on my podcast with Colton. We, when quarantine first started happening, we had a mm. quarantine uh, Mount Rushmore. Or well, who would you like to be stuck with in the house for months on end? Um, so I, I won't pull a lot. I won't overlap. I'll overlap one person from there. Um, it will probably be Shia LaBeouf and, and one of those he's just one of those guys where um he's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs and mm-hmm. I like his his willingness to just kind of put himself out there as I talked about. So I think you could have some really good conversations with him. Um Jake Johnson, he is uh, uh he actor for In New Girl, played uh Nick Miller. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched I think he's hilarious. Oh my gosh. And yeah, you may I mean he's not he's been in other stuff, but he's never the lead role. Um but he's just so funny to me. Every interview he's ever done, I just I soak it up. So um I mean he's a he's the type of guy that could like read the nutrition facts of a Pepsi can and I would think he's the best thing in the world. Yeah, I I love it. So probably him and then third you said three, right? Yeah, three. Three. Uh probably John Stewart. I, I really appreciate it, him. Um, and I, I think a lot of people write off, um, you know, news from from comedy shows and, and such mm-hmm. that he did um, because it's under the guise of comedy. But I think because he's under the guise of comedy, he can then say some stuff that really matters and that is important. Mm-hmm. And so I think he has a really good head on his shoulders, um, just a great moral compass, and but also just hilarious. And so I think, you know, if I could sit down and just have a long talk with him I would come away a much better guy for
0: it um I'm with you on John Stewart because yeah. actually funny enough you said that there is an article that was posted in New York Times today I was I gonna read it after this so um I I'll would, still maybe share it with you or something I don't know
1: the world works I was thinking about him yeah. like a couple days ago and yeah. then all of a sudden I get on Instagram today and I see a post by the New York Times with him and I'm like what like of course of course yeah. that would happen yeah, well, I'd it, love to hear his thoughts know, about what's going on. Yeah, me too. That's you know, I wish he he had still had a show cuz it would be mm-hmm. it'd be definitely worth a, a listen or review.
0: But it's funny that you say you get um you know, talking about comedians doing, you know, new stuff. I get most of my some of my news, I'd say, from Last Week Tonight with John Oliver.
1: Right. And because you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's easy to digest it that way. Exactly. And And a lot of times the the guise of comedy is able to, Mm -hmm. uh, it allows you to really say important things. Um, And, you know, it's weird because, you know, we talked about those classes I thought that don't matter in college. One of them I Mm -hmm. took after I already earned my English minor, um, (laughs) just my last semester of school was children's literature. Literally on Uh our book list was like Winnie the Pooh and stuff. And I was (laughs) like, okay, like this is going to be so easy. But what I learned from that class, which I didn't think I'd learn anything, um is that you know children's literature is another way you know to to be as a guy for for important societal issues and and comedy is very much so so that and john oliver like if we had a fourth guy Mm -hmm. he might be that fourth right there that i would have had dinner with so
0: he's so funny i love his show home i eat it up um last question favorite quote
1: yeah this one's tough and this one always stumps people and i i have a lot of quotes I like I think one that's very important right now um, and that has stuck with me for years and I've actually learned from mm-hmm. reading Outliers, my favorite book um, by Malcolm Gladwell was um, language shapes culture and culture shapes language and it's in that order for a reason and um, it's just very powerful about you know what words can do and it speaks to good journalism and um, also speaks to you know times right now where um, you know if, if you have someone in charge of uh, you know, a lot and they have a lot of power and their words matter, then um, mm-hmm. if they, you know, talk bad about a certain group of people or they incite violence or um, then that will create a culture of that, you know, of that following. And then that culture of, of violence and, and negativity will then spawn more negative and violent language. And so I think that is something that is just so, so important and powerful. Um, You know, words matter and they shape how we live. And uh, once you start looking into it, you'll realize that that's very much so the case.
0: I mean, I'm so glad, you know, our leaders are nothing like
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, I I know this is supposed to be, you know, a sports media podcast, but uh, I mean, it's important stuff. Uh, I don't know. These things these things impact sports media as well.
0: So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a conversation that we need to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I and mean, it's, it's important. So I just, I encourage everyone to, to really, you know, get out there and do do what you can and, and uh, be act, active with everything going on. I think that's important.
0: Mm-hmm. And so to wrap up the show, do you have any questions for me? Anything you want to plug, anything you want to say? Hmm.
1: Questions for you before I get to the rest. Um mm. You know, if, if you don't mind going into it, I know, you know, a lot of the conversations uh. we've had have been about like mental health and stuff. How has that been mm-hmm. for you navigating the sports media world and stuff? Cause it's been difficult for a lot of people and you're more open about it than others. And so I just kind of want to hear maybe your perspective on it, what you're comfortable sharing, but, like, how it's, uh, you know, your your journey and through the sports media world balancing all that.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, this is such a great question. Holy shit. I had never even thought of it this way. But, um, you know, I'd have to say that it has both helped my mental health and has also contributed to some of my downfalls with mental health. I'd Mm -hmm. say that it's helped me kind of, you know, find a place and find somewhere that's a creative outlet and something that I enjoy doing and something that doesn't feel like a job to me. And it's just something somewhere where I can escape and kind of just feel, you know, I wouldn't say normal because I am obviously normal. It's just, you know, unfortunately, I'm kind of, I deal with, you know, mental health issues, but it's also at times contributed to it, you know, with stress and, you know, burning out, um, something I've talked about. But, you know, Wait. but I think, you know, sports media and being in this industry has given me a platform where I can be comfortable talking about it and be comfortable or and, and just, you know, have a platform to kind of help others because, that's awesome. you know, I, th- I mean, that's why I made this podcast is to help others and to, you know, just kind of open up a little bit more about what has what people have gone through, you know, in sports media and stuff. And I think that, you know, it's, you know, being in sports media has definitely helped me um, open up. And I think uh, it's made me realize that I can do a lot of good if I just open up and be,
1: um, you know, honest about it. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's great to hear because it's the truth for not just you, but mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah. a lot of people um, going yeah. through similar stuff. And um, I I I think it's awesome that, you know, people are willing to talk about it more. Um, and just kind of put themselves out there uh, because i think it helps everyone quite quite a bit but uh, yeah yeah, thank you man i I appreciate that
0: yeah no no problem i mean the the way i see it is you know when i was at my lowest and even sometimes when i still do get down i look to other people to see what their stories are and to see how they pull themselves out of it and it has helped me pull myself out of it as well and will continue to so that's why i like you know, being open about it because maybe I'm helping someone I don't even know it. Yeah, that, that's, that's why just how I know, think of
1: it. For example, you know this podcast. You know that's that's mm-hmm. why you know that's the epitome of yeah. why this is you know an important yeah. podcast. Um, you know, a lot of times on podcasts, I'm guilty of it myself. People aim for mm-hmm. you know the height of the height, getting big names, and it's great if you can, and it's valuable. Um, but there's just as much value with with the people. Um, trying to find their way and exploring it um, who are experiencing it just like everyone else has or mm-hmm. is or will. And so that, you know, just have this podcast and as an example to, to turn to. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah.
0: No, I, it, yeah. It's just people get to tell the truth because they're going through it. It's like, as it's happening, you know, and it'd be cool to one day, you know, look at this podcast and say, look at all the big names we had on. And we you know, didn't right, even know.
1: Exactly. It. Yeah. That would be awesome.
0: Um, But yeah, I mean, Anything else that you want to ask or
1: anything else you want to plug um, your podcast? Plug. Of course. Talk, Yeah. Plug your podcast. I, I do have a podcast. It's a sports podcast um, called the Stephen Stone show um, with my friend Colton Stone. He's going through the industry, just like all of us. And so we talk sports. Um, we get stupid on it, I'm sure. Um, but it, it, it's fun. Um, but on that note, you know, I, I you know, I think it's important to say sports are the least in, or the most important things of the least important things. And so I think, you know, I'd also be doing myself a disservice and everyone else a disservice if I didn't truly plug my, my sports show, as much as I love it and care about it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters right now is I would rather plug and encourage everyone to be educated on the issues at hand in, in society and what we talked about. I think that's um, a much greater thing to to talk about just be educated um, do what you can whether it's attend protests talk on social media Um, if you have any little bit of money you can give you know support donate some or you know even if you're going out for food um, look for a restaurant that's you know owned by owned and ran by someone that's of uh, a minority you know just ways to support I think that's what you know is really um, there's no sports. And at the end of the day, sports don't really matter. I think what matters is um, equality and human rights and we shouldn't have to fight for it, but we do. And it's an important time in our country in our, our nation um, in history right now. And so just be active and play a role I think is important.
0: Um, you hit the nail on the head right there. And um, I just want to encourage, you know, I want to repeat what you said about, you know, donating and educating yourself. Um, I encourage all my listeners to, you know, donate to organizations that are helping. You know, the fight to end racial injustice, racial prejudice in this country, and to um, you know, just go out and support. You know, do what you can, educate yourself, post on social media, just do something.
1: Um Have those anything? Everything helps. Conversations yeah. with people, because um, yeah. that's part of it. You know, that's the education process, and it's important. You know, I, I I've heard people say, you know, um, hey, at least we're in the U.S. You know, it it's, it's not as, it's not as racist here as it is somewhere else, even though it's yeah. not the, you know, maybe the least racist, it may not, but regardless, it's still racist, you know, and th- that's a problem. Yeah. And like I said, you know, um, there shouldn't be credit given to anyone that brings equality. Equality shouldn't require credit. Um, it should be here and it should have happened yeah. already. And um, it's not. And so that's why, you know, um, it's so important right now to do something and be a part A positive part of this you know important part in our history
0: Mm -hmm. and i think we're you know both you and i and everybody listening to this podcast is that we all have a unique position where we can use our voice to enact change and we can um, we have this platform of social media where we can you know kind of get our friends together get people together and to support this cause and i think that's what we're seeing and we that's what we need to see more of i think you know It doesn't, it shouldn't stop right now when it's becoming, starting to become unpopular to do it. I think we keep pushing and, you know, I said it last week, we keep pushing, keep our foot on the gas.
1: And I appreciate, you know, you doing that and um, not only just this podcast, but everyone, you know, just it's important to have those conversations. So thank you, man. Thank you for, uh, you know, this podcast, but also letting us go there and adventure that way, even though (laughs) we got way off topic so many times, but uh, I appreciate it.
0: No, I mean, it's all right. Uh, well, I mean, thank you for coming on, but uh, it's all right that we got off topic because it's all meaningful things that people need to hear. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to do my part and you're trying to do your part as well. And we're just, we just want to live in a world that's a better place for our kids and for generations to come. And,
1: yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do here. Yep, yep, it's important. So so be a positive hmm. change, a part of it all. Um, you know, on that note, um, thank you, Stephen,
0: for coming to this podcast. Thank you for sharing all this wisdom with us. Um, thank you for being so open with us and, um, I hope we can have you on again sometime down the road.
1: Thank you, man. I mean, it, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's an honor to, to be here. I listen all the time just cause you're the right man for this. So if, you know, you, we can help one person, that's all, that's yeah. all that matters. So thank you, man.
0: Um, really appreciate that. We're going to wrap up the show right now. So thank you to everybody who listened and I will see you next week.